You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 1067. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Hope everybody's staying dry out there. It's coming down. It's, it's coming down. It's a torrential downpour as soon as we're going on the radio. Happy Monday, everybody. You know, th- this is Monday weather, right? Oh, yeah. This is this is the most Monday weather I've seen in a while. It, it looks absolutely terrible outside right now. For those listening on Fox Sports Central Alabama, I don't know if it's raining up in in that part of the in that part of the state, but in Auburn right now, where our studio is located here on ESPN 106.7, as well as also on Fox Sports Central Alabama, our studio in Auburn, it is pouring right now outside. I mean, I'm going to have to get a boat and row it out just to my car uh, just to not get soaked out there. And, I, you know, I'm thinking to myself, why didn't I learn from last week? Why didn't I bring an umbrella with me into the studio knowing full well that it was going to rain like this today? But I didn't think about it because I never think about it. I'm one of those people who never thinks about umbrellas. Same. Clearly. Same. Didn't walk in with one. I don't think... Or a raincoat or anything. I never think when the when the rain is happening, hey, dress accordingly. No, just show up, same attire, and just wing it, I guess. Just hope that it uh, calms down by the time we get out of here. You know what else we didn't think about? Oh, I know. We didn't think about Gus Malzahn landing a job this quickly after leaving the Plains. I think a lot of people thought about Gus Malzahn staying, not retired, but staying out of the game for at least a season this late in the coaching carousel. And college football hasn't seen too many shakeups lately. The coaching carousel is pretty much done. Tennessee's the latest coaching carousel shakeup, and we know why that happened so late in the game. It was abnormal circumstances, of course. All that NCAA stuff going on in Knoxville caused Jeremy Pruitt to be fired. So now Tennessee's looking for a coach. They go out and take UCF's coach, which now means that UCF is looking for a coach. And I think everybody just kind of forgot that UCF was looking for a coach and guess what UCF's new athletic director which they were also looking for the athletic director at UCF so happened to be the athletic director at Arkansas State during the time that Gus Malzahn was there and oh by the way Gus Malzahn happened to be available and it's like late Sunday night we hear reports that the job's been offered to him after pretty much nothing on the news trail whatsoever and then bang we get to about midday today, or really it was this morning that it happened. It was it was around you know 9 o'clock this morning, a little bit before that, that reports began to surface that he had accepted. Bang, Gus Malzahn, new head coach at the University of Central Florida. I don't remember who it was that we talked to, if it was Justin Ferguson or maybe even Nathan King, when we were talking earlier, way you know sometime last January, when they said, typically the way news things are going with coaches, if you hear a name, typically it's, it's about to happen. And it's funny because it mirrors a lot of those Auburn coaching decisions on that staff that they just assembled where you would hear a name really fast and then within, you know, a day or hours even, they're the coach. And that's exactly what happened here with Coach Gus Malzahn. I mean, it was like Sunday night, 
you're looking like there's rumors and then you wake up this morning and or you know you go through your day and you look at it and he's their coach and I think it's a pretty good fit if I'm being honest like I really like the move here I mean he's going to a program that's actually won a national championship more recently than his previous head coach job at Auburn I mean, you know, that 2018 <laughs> National Championship UCF team that beat Go- you Gus Malzahn. If you can't beat them, join them. You got to. <laughs> so, again, more recent national champions than Auburn, and he's going to go there and coach them. I like the move. I was trying to compare this to some of those guys who were at a Power 5 school and stepped back, but I feel like this is just different. It, like, the ones that were coming to mind were like Rich Rodriguez when he was at Michigan. He didn't go da- back down to a group of five, but he went to Arizona, which – Hasn't been the best program over the past few years. Kevin Sumlin kind of did the same thing going to uh, Arizona as well from Texas A&M. It just doesn't feel that way because those guys were run out of their job. And there are two coaching tombstones out there in Arizona right now. I know, right? (laughs) That's not a great program. Rich Rod, I think, is the OC at ULM right now. He is, after spending a little bit of time at uh, Ole Miss, if I'm not mistaken. You know who the head coach at ULM is? Terry Bowden. Oh, Wow. Look at those uh, two huge names at ULM. I don't know if it's going to work. You know, the game may have passed both of them by, but go Warhawks. <laughs> I mean, that's that's interesting. I don't know what Kevin Sumlin's doing right now. I don't think he's coaching at all. I feel like earlier this morning when I was looking at it, I don't remember seeing his name. But it just this doesn't feel that way. Those guys were run out of their jobs because of abysmal performances. Coach Malzahn was, you know, outcasted out of Auburn not for abysmal performances but just for mediocrity it wasn't championship football consistently like they were expecting out of Auburn and something happened I just think that this is just a really fun fit you've got UCF which is kind of that flashy like school the group of five schools that everybody kind of rallied behind outside of you know Auburn fans they were the ones that everybody was rallying behind they loved this team it was fun they always have a lot of good offensive teams and I just want to see if can Gus Malzahn get his offense going at the American athletic level that he had at the beginning? Because what we saw at Auburn was it came out, it was flashy, it worked really well, but somewhere along the way it got a little bit a little bit stagnant, a little stale. It didn't really evolve and grow. When everybody else started adopting spread tendencies to their offense, his didn't really evolve and get better. It just kind of got worse over time. So let's see how I'm, – I'm interested to see that dynamic. How does it work – at this level, does he learn from some of the things that didn't work at Auburn and try to evolve and adapt this offense at UCF? You can head over to RadioAlabamaSports.net and find on-the-line show notes. Is UCF the right fit for Gus Malzahn? we got some interesting stuff there for you about this move and just some of my thoughts on it put on to paper about this. Gus Malzahn's inheriting a pretty good position at UCF. Now, the last two seasons for UCF, haven't been great in terms of recruiting and I think that mirrors the trajectory of the wins and losses obviously the year after Scott Frost leaves UCF still goes undefeated in American Athletic Conference play under Josh Hoipel in his first year Josh Hoipel had two solid years to open up but then this most recent year in 2020 he goes six and four and you look at the trajectory of UCF recruiting over this time period four years ago they had the second highest ranked recruiting class in the American Athletic Conference three years ago they had the top ranked recruiting class in the American Athletic last two years though they have been seventh and fourth when you average out those four years and I already went and did all this math and everything I've averaged out the past four years of every American Athletic Conference 
team in terms of recruiting rankings according to 24-7 Sports Composite. I've gone and averaged that out. And in terms of class rankings, according to 24-7 Sports Composite, UCF places third in the American Athletic Conference in recruiting over the last four years. Now, Hoipel's most recent recruiting classes are going to leave Gus in a tough place about a year or two from now. But the class that he's got right now that are going to be your leaders, your juniors and seniors, were better than pretty much anything else that the American Athletic Conference was recruiting at the time. The other thing we have to consider here for recruiting purposes, he's in a pretty good part of the country to recruit. The saying is a three-star in Florida is a four-star everywhere else. And I'm sure the same thing can be said about Texas recruits and California recruits. This is up there among those other two high-profile high school football states. Florida's up there with the amount uh, of population in the area and how dense it is in the and in, in even the certain part of the state that Gus Malzahn is at as well. That portion of the state also has a lot of high-profile recruits that come out of it. Maybe not necessarily to UCF. They're typically leaving Orlando and going elsewhere, but he can still recruit the scraps of Florida, convince them to come to UCF, and that would be like landing a four-star out of the state of Alabama or out of, you know, that that might even be the equivalent of, of some recruits in Georgia or in Mississippi and Tennessee that would be good enough to go and play at other SEC schools. He's going to get SEC level talent to a degree at UCF the issue at UCF for Malzahn is not going to be talent and it's not going to be expectation so I'm with you this seems like a good fit for him at UCF it's a balanced fit if he wants to stay at UCF as long as he wants to the the expectations are there for him to win eight nine games every year and they'll be happy with him they're not going to let him go he doesn't have to compete with an Alabama or a Georgia he doesn't have to consistently compete on the national level They just want the program to win and and, and compete for some American Athletic Conference championships as well. But I don't think Malzahn is going to get onto the hot seat for eight wins every year, nine wins every year at UCF, like he did at Auburn with the seven and eight wins repeatedly with Auburn. I mean, four or five losses at Auburn every year had enough people wanting him out of town that he was ran out of town. But at UCF, Combined with the expectations, he can be there as long as he wants to. If he just wants to have an easy coaching gig for the rest of his for the rest of his coaching career, it can be so. Or we also know, based off the recruiting rankings that I've just given you, of course, the last two years tough. I don't think Gus is going to have a hard time recruiting because, well, he's one of the most high-profile coaches now in the American Athletic Conference. I don't think he's going to have a hard time jump-starting that area of the program, despite the last two years kind of being subpar. But like I said, they're third in the American Athletic Conference over the last four years in recruiting. They've got talent on the roster. He's bringing back Dylan Gabriel, a back-to-back 3,500-yard passer at quarterback. He's losing his two top, his top two rushers. His uh, his best rusher coming back was third on the on the leaderboard and uh, and rush yards this past season for UCF. He's bringing back two of his top four receivers from last season. This offense at UCF last year averaged. 40 let's see they averaged 42.2 points per game that was eighth in the country their issue was their defense the defense was horrible 33.2 or 33.2 points allowed per game that was good enough for 92nd in the country in this horrible year that we've just endured in college football and so and he's losing some pieces on that defense too some key pieces he's bringing back a couple of his major sack guys but the defense obviously needs some work the offense is bringing back some playmakers and that combined with his quarterback the other side of this coin if he doesn't want to have some type of longevity in the retirement state of Florida he can also easily springboard himself back into a power five coaching position with a 10 win or or a couple of 10 win seasons 
in the American Athletic Conference because UCF is enough, they, they are in the national spotlight enough to where if an Arkansas opened up or if a Kentucky or somewhere in the Big 12 or, or somewhere in the ACC, a Power 5 job that's maybe not a top tier. I don't think he'll be in the running for a top tier job, but if a mid-tier Power Conference job opens, his name is going to be at the top of the list. I don't even think that he has to take some of those jobs. I think UCF, where it currently stands, is a little bit better. The only knock is they're just in the American Athletic Conference. I think he can sell championship caliber football, championship caliber football to recruits. I mean, you saw what UCF did when they went back-to-back undefeated seasons, one of them capping off the win against Auburn, the other losing to LSU and unlocking Joe Burrow's superpowers in that game. And then you have Coach Malzahn's championship resume going to a national championship in his first year at Auburn. I think he can sell that to kids in the state of Florida. And I, just speaking on the state of Florida, I just saw the quote from UCF's AD where he says he believes that Gus Malzahn is the best football coach in the state of Florida. And that's kind of funny. He's 7-5 and five against Dan Mullen, 1-0 against Mike Norvell. That's funny. It's, it's, it's a very odd uh, thing well, to say. Well, you don't like Manny I'm joking. Yeah, I'm exactly. Joking. He really, like, is he? Is he the best coach in the state of Florida? It really seems like he is at the moment. And that's wild to think that UCF might have a better coach than the University of Florida and Miami. He's Do you think not. Dan Mullen's better than him? I think Dan him? Mullen's better than him. I just don't see it. Gus Malzahn's not doing what Dan Mullen's doing at Florida right now if yeah. he's there. Because he was, at a, he was at a lateral program and he performed worse than him every year. I don't think he was at a lateral. I think he was, he was at a worse program. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I agree. I, I, don't, I think Auburn is way behind the ball. Way, way behind than Florida is right now. Currently. In the year 2021, I think they're a lot behind Florida. Well, even if that is the, even if that is the case... Malzahn still lost four or five games every year, which was what Mullen was doing at Mississippi State, which is a program that's way behind the ball at Auburn. That's true. That's and so right. going that's seven true. and five Factual. at Dan yep. Mullen doesn't really speak. He doesn't speak volumes to me because he still lost to Dan Mullen a handful of times while he was a head coach at Auburn. And so I'm not. True. true. I'm not. I, I think Dan Mullen is one of the better coaches in the SEC. I would probably put him at third in the SEC right now, just off the top of my head. I'm saying Kirby Smart's better because. He's dominated that league. I can't put Dan Mullen ahead of Kirby Smart right now. And you do have to account for recruiting here. I mean, obviously, yeah. I think Dan Mullen's probably a better X's and O's coach. Well, I don't know. Dan Mullen is the offensive version of Kirby Smart. How about this? We'll pause that conversation, and we'll get back to that later on, and we'll go ahead and recruit all of the – or recruit. We'll rank all the head coaches in the SEC at some point. Maybe not today, but at some point in the future of On the Line, we'll do that, and we'll go through, and we'll get through all of that. Yeah, I do think Dan Mullen's still top three, though. Malzahn, I think, was behind him there. But we'll continue this conversation about Malzahn on the other side of this break here on On the Line. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. We'll be right back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner at Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. The number to call, phone lines are open, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Call in. We want to hear from you. Whatever your thoughts are, questions, comments, concerns, we want to hear from you. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Phone lines are open continuing on with the topic of Gus Malzahn taking the head coaching vacancy at the University of Central Florida 
You showed me a video during the break of Gus Malzahn getting knighted. That is so not a Gus Malzahn thing to do. It might be now. I mean, he's he's UCF knight. He's got getting knighted by Nitro. I mean, it's just I laughed. I thought it was really funny when I watched it. Nitro is a great name though oh, for a, part, for a mascot. Absolute perfect name for it for a knight mascot. Very very well. Love the pun. So I don't know if people know this or not. I don't know how many people. I mean, I'm sure UCF has gotten a nice bump on Google search. But you go and look at the 2021 UCF football schedule. Guess who they are opening the 2021 football season with? Tell them. Boise State. Kind of funny. It's just like the uh, weird connection of, you know, Auburn's former head coach playing where Auburn's current head coach just came from. And honestly, two of the more prominent group of five schools over the past, what, however many years, you know, Boise State's kind of like the poster child for group of five schools and UCF has been that as well over the past few years it's just a very cool that's gonna be a very cool fun matchup I think in my opinion I also have to note that the name and most people probably probably don't know this unless they are like diehard college football fans and they're watching the American game on Thursday or Friday night or they just live for this kind of stuff but most people probably don't know that Gus Malzahn will now be coaching for at least half of his season. His home games are located in the fun stadium known as the Bounce House. The Bounce House. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Does Gus Malzahn seem like a Bounce House head coach? No. No. <laughs> He's No, not at all. He just seems more straight-laced, very, you know, very in-line kind of guy. I'm, I want to know... How he's going to do against that massive rivalry they have down there. You know what I'm talking about. The civil conflict between UCF and UConn. That one is, that's a big game. They they judge you at UCF by the civil conflict game. That's funny. Also on the schedule for next year, UCF on the road at Louisville. And oh, their, non-conference, their non-conference opponents... U- UConn is also an, a non-conference opponent now because yeah, UConn is, uh, is an independent. Or did they drop all the way down to the I, FCS? I thought they dropped to the, F- the FCS. Let me double-check that. I could be wrong. Yeah, I think I could you're just, right. I, I, now that you say that, that jogs my memory. It, it feels like something I heard but didn't really pay attention. They because need to. It's, They're uh, pretty awful. UConn. They had a few good years with Randy Etzel back, you know, way back when. Well, this is Randy Etzel take two. It, take two has not been kind. I don't know if you've looked Sequels at Sequels are never as good as the originals. I think right? he's I think he's won about four games in three years, if I'm not mistaken. I'm adding Star Wars right now when I say the sequels are are, are not always better. But yeah, his non conference schedule, Boise State will be coming to the bounce house. He'll go to Louisville and then he'll host UConn. I think there's a real possibility for him to go three and there there. I mean Louisville wasn't that good of an ACC team this year. They were kind of average. They had a pretty good quarterback, but he was up and down. Boise State is beatable. The The talent is going to be comparable. I think he's got a chance to beat them, especially considering he gets at home. And then UConn is abysmal. So I think they've got a chance to go 3-0 and in non-conference play. Will they? I, I'm going to err more on the side that they go 2-1. and I wouldn't be shocked if Boise beat them. I think they can go to Louisville, though, and, be, and beat the Cardinals there. And then when you get into the American Athletic Conference, they'll have road games against Cincinnati, Navy, SMU, Temple, and they'll have home games against the abysmal ECU. They've got Memphis at home, Tulane at home, and USF at home. So when you look at the American schedule, the the primary teams that are that are good in the American every year right now, it's Cincinnati, Memphis, and UCF. You split home and away there. You got Memphis coming to you. You got Cincinnati on the road, 
And then Navy's probably going to be back up this year. I know they were awful this season, but part of that, I think, we all saw the story about them not tackling during practice and everything. I mean, that I think Navy was probably affected by some of the COVID stuff. They're always a tough team. They're well coached by Ken Niamatololo. That's going to be a tough road game. SMU's going to be a tough road game. Their road schedule is not easy. He's being thrown into the fire by American standards right out the gates. But I feel like the expectations for Malzahn are pretty high going to UCF. Obviously, it's not going to matter if he goes, you know, nine and three. But how how should we, looking at this from a national standpoint, evaluate Gus Malzahn at UCF? Like, what should we expect him to do year in and in year out at UCF? I mean, I think the expectation is for him is somewhere between nine plus wins. If I'm being honest, like I think that's what I would look at it. From a national perspective, if you're That's seeing where the this, talent sits at, I agree, and I think, I think anything short of that would be a bit of a disappointment. Unless it's you know, I could see them eight. That's fine, but I think if you're looking at this from a purely national standpoint, not a UCF, not an Orlando standpoint, national, I think you're going to expect nine plus wins with a few undefeated seasons, maybe some ten, you know, ten and twos, eleven and ones. I. Your expectation on a national basis, looking at this from an outside scope, is that Gus Malzahn will always be in the American Athletic Conference championship game every year. You expect that out of this kind of hire. Will that happen? Absolutely not. That's It's way too lofty of a goal to expect that, but I think that that's what people are kind of... They're looking at that. They're looking at nine-plus wins from a guy who was getting eight to nine wins at Auburn. He should be able to do that at UCF. Again, he's going to be getting those good recruits in the state of Florida. You said it earlier. Three-star recruit in Florida, four-star recruit in almost every other state. He's going to get some of those, as you refer to them as, scraps from the big boys. And he's going to be able to put together a really good team. And I think he's going to be able to compete in the American Athletic Conference, which it's a sneaky good football conference when you start looking eh, at okay. it. It's, it's okay. Good, it's a sneaky good for a group of five. It's sneaky good, I think. I it's think, the best group of five because of it used to be. It's the scraps of what used to be a power conference. That's true. It's the old Big East, it's and, a, and it's and it's a shell of what the old Big East used to look like because all of them migrated out into power conferences. They now rest in the Big Ten with Rutgers there, and then majority of them are in the ACC now, where Syracuse, Pittsburgh. I mean, West Virginia's now in the Big Twelve. They all scattered out and found better place, better better places to eat. And to have a shot to win national championships. I'll say this about UCF. You look at their offensive output last year, they averaged 42.2 points per game. This is an offense that should not average less than like, especially with the quarterback they've got, they should not, especially in the conference they're in, should not average less than 35 a game. I mean, I agree it's hard with that. to average more yeah. than 40, especially in back-to-back years. And I'll, and I'll give him a, I'll give him a pass and say that he's losing his top wide receiver He's losing two of his top running backs. There's a little bit of a transitionary period there on some of the places on the offensive side of the ball, but he's inheriting a guy who some people have talked about in the Heisman conversation with Dylan Gabriel at quarterback. He's had back-to-back 3,500-yard passing seasons. The guy's solid. You look at what he did last year. He had 32 touchdowns to four picks, 3,570 yards. His completion percentage not great at 60%, but he's got the best quarterback in the American Athletic Conference coming back I'm going to watch these games to see what that offense looks like of course I know we all are I know we're all thinking okay is this guy going to get worse at quarterback and that's fair to say that's not that's not me taking a dig I think it's fair to say is this guy going to get worse at quarterback I mean it's hard to I mean he 
he set the bar so hard, so high for himself, man. I mean, it'd be okay if he took a little bit of a step back, but that's not really trying to dig at Gus Malzahn. It's just a run-heavy offense that he's never really produced a passer like well, Dylan I'm also, Gabriel. I'm also talking about quarterback development. I mean, we that saw a for lot sure, of quarterbacks yes. get worse. Uh, of course, the development. I even at, think Nick's got a little bit worse this year. Stidham got worse from year one to year two, and the offensive pieces did not change from Stidham from year one to year two, minus carry on Johnson, but the receivers were still in place. If anything, the receiving core got better. And Stidham just got worse over time, at least from His a development. His offensive line was more experienced. Stidham was looking out from that first year. He, was, he probably could have went round one, two in the quarterback position, and you have a guy who – and he plummeted. I mean, he he, he fell at a day. Was he day three or day two? That I'm, I can't remember quite what day he was. But oh, he, he was day three. That's he, what, yeah, he was okay. round five. I couldn't or remember round if it six. Was, yeah, I mean, I knew he was low, but I couldn't remember if it was like low day two or you know day three. But yeah, he plummeted bad, and that was the guy who had first round potential when he stepped onto the planes at Auburn. Oh, he was a fourth round selection. Okay, that's still day three, but he was a fourth round selection. So high. Got to give Stidham a little bit more credit. I just could. I I honestly just couldn't. remember. I knew We've it was seen, late. We've seen so many quarterbacks hurt by the scheme. That's what it is. It's the scheme, 100%. And that's on the coach. I don't know if it's as much about quarterback development and mechanics as it is about the scheme. And so many people don't understand that quarterbacks have to fit into a scheme well in order for them to be successful. And it's not hard to go and watch Auburn football games and know that the offense over the last several years has been predictable, that the route concepts in the passing game it's easy to manage. It's easy to cover. That and also the play calling centering around the passing game is also predictable. I mean, Auburn was running a couple of pass routes. They they were yeah. running a bubble screen, a comeback route, like as in a curl or uh, or basically a fly. It was it was one of or, or you know, go route with right. Anthony Schwartz. <laughs> it, it, it was not it was not anything else. And then if they were in the end zone, you're throwing a you're throwing a goal line fade to Seth Williams. It was it was predictable. Every time they get down inside the five goal line fade and. You know, outside of those four pass plays, you're not really getting a whole lot else out of this group. A slant maybe occasionally would make it out onto the field, but it wasn't with any type of consistency. The slants came when it was obvious that a slant was coming. So there just wasn't a whole lot of diversity to the passing game. And that hurt quarterbacks the most, I think, that they did not play in an offense that accentuated their skill set. I'm really curious to see what happens now that he's got a 3,500-yard passer. You got to see how he's going to develop these guys and, like, is he going to evolve that offense, man? You just got to see what he's going to do. On the other side of this break, we talk with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports. Stay with us here on On the Line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Keep up with all of the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at at RadioALSports. It's the place to be for Auburn and Alabama content as well as high school sports content. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. And joining us on the phone now from Radio Alabama Sports, we got Jeremy Law. Jeremy, how are you doing today, my man? What's going on, guys? Hope everything's uh, going uh, well on the planes. Looks like your former coach is about to land a new gig, right? I think he's already landed that gig. He's at, He's been knighted by Nitro, the UCF mascot. And I just watched the video, and it's got me cringing. I don't know. Something about it's just so <laughs> awkward. 
But that's where I wanted to go with this. What are your thoughts on it? Well, I mean, Gus Malzahn's going to a school that beat him just a few years ago in a bowl game, but that's a good rebound job, right? I mean, you his tenure at Auburn's not bad. He beats Nick Saban, what, three times? Uh, it didn't end well at the end. He wasn't recruiting well, but he kind of lands in the uh, – the East Coast version of Boise State. He's just got to keep that momentum going at UCF. And heck, the next thing you know, what's he? I mean, landing another big, bigger Division One, your Power Five job. I don't think it's a bad move for Gus. It it'll offset some of the buyout for Auburn, most likely. And uh, I think if you win a couple, you know, get a couple ten win seasons there at UCF, you're right back in the scene in major college football. Maybe not in the SEC, but ACC, Big Twelve. You know. Uh, I think it's a good move for Gus. Excited for him. He's always a great guy. I thought he loved Auburn. I thought the Auburn fans had a love-hate relationship with him, but a good move for him, and uh, I think he'll do well there. Question for you here. We we ended last segment on this. Kind of curious about the way that the offense was going to look. Kind of curious about what was going to happen with quarterback Dylan Gabriel. You look at Dylan Gabriel at quarterback there. I mean, he's been in, you know, murmurs of a Heisman. You know, kind of similar murmurs to like what Malik Willis was at Liberty this past year. No shot, but he's putting up egregiously high numbers. 32 touchdowns last year, four picks. He's back-to-back 3,500-yard passer. He got better from year one to year two as a quarterback under Josh Hoipel. What do you think happens at the quarterback position for UCF moving forward with, with Gus Malzahn's track record? Uh, he doesn't have a great track record at quarterback. Um but, you know, he's coached to Cam Newton. He's coached to Nick Marshall. And it, um, it's a kind of a good situation for him. He has a good quarterback on the roster. You just show up and you win 11 games next year, and he could be back in um, Power 5 football before you know it. I think it had to be a really good move for Gus Malzahn to get off that mansion in, on Lake Martin. And uh, he had it made where he was. He was making millions of dollars sitting at home. But I do think that this is just as much as a uh, – a rehab clinic for Gus as a lot of these analysts going to Alabama and revamping their career. If Gus Malzahn can show that he can put up decent quarterback numbers and being an offensive mind that he is, you know, I really do think Gus Malzahn could uh, be back on your screen in big-time uh, college football on Saturday mornings before you know it. Fun, fun two tweets here. First of all, uh, Brandon Marcello tweeted out, Gus Malzahn is finally f- free. Quote, definitely, I'm going to call plays. I'm going to call plays the rest of my career, end quote. That seems like a little That seems like a little spice there from Gus Malzahn, putting an emphasis like, this is my thing on offense. What does that mean for UCF moving forward? Well, um, Auburn is a tough place to coach, and I think we saw it um, – with this coaching search, a lot of people have their hands in the exact same cookie jar, and Gus Malzahn can maybe take a deep breath and uh, have some freedom in, in running this program like he wants to run it. This is a program that's used to winning over the last seven or eight years. They've played in numerous New Year's Six games, and he can go out here and he can prove that he himself, as an offensive mind, can get the job done. And he can prove it, but he can also just as – just as much disqualify himself from bigger power five jobs, right? I mean, he can go in here, and this could be a train wreck. I just don't see that happening. This is a big university. They're able to get tons of talent that's not quite power five caliber, and some is very much power five caliber. You're coaching in Florida. I, I Probably the, the biggest pool of talent in the country outside of the state of Georgia and maybe Texas, depending on the recruiting cycles. Uh, this, this, this is a good move, and I think Gus Malzahn adding a little spice with that comment and uh, maybe taking a little bit of a shot 
um, screaming I'm free and taking a shot at Auburn a little bit while he's uh, entering the, the front doors of the UCF football facility. Well, he actually didn't say I'm free. That was something that Brady Marcello tweeted before the quote, but it definitely feels like that's kind of the gist of what he was saying. The second thing here that I think is interesting is UCF, and this is something that's just occurred to me, UCF is, if anybody in college football embodies hyperbole, it's UCF. Their AD comes out and says that Gus Malzahn is the best college football coach in the state of Florida now. And Levi and I were talking about this earlier on the show briefly. I don't know. Where does he rank? I mean, I think we would say that he's better than Diaz and Norvell. Is he better than Dan Mullen? Uh, well, you look at the resumes. One of those guys has beaten Nick Saban. The other one has it. Uh, one of those guys has um, played in a national championship or coached in a national championship game as a head coach. I've coached in SEC title games as a head coach. Uh, won SEC titles as a head coach. You tell me. That's Which so true. One, uh, better you stack up the resume. I'm, I'm not saying that right now Gus Malzahn is a better coach than Dan Mullen. Definitely better than Manny Diaz in Norville at Florida State. But if you put the resumes up side by side and you took the name off the top, you might pick Gus Malzahn over Dan Mullen. You think any of those schools are sweating it right now from a recruiting standpoint that now Gus Malzahn's entered their state? Oh, no. Look, the Florida Gator brand sells itself. The Florida State brand will sell itself. The, the U is always going to try to get, especially keep its talent right there at home. They haven't done a great job of that before Manny Diaz, but they did recruit somewhat well in this recruiting cycle. But Gus Malzahn's going to be able to clean it up from the guys that don't go Power five, and those are the games that he has to win. He's going to have to win one, maybe two power five games a year to put himself in a New Year's Six uh, bowl situation. And then from then on out, you get your guys gassed up enough, and we've seen it so many times with these group of five teams beating power five teams. You get your guys gassed up enough thinking that they can win that game, and maybe Gus Malzahn wins a New Year's Six bowl at UCF. I don't know about that. I mean, UCF has won a national championship more recently than all those other Florida programs. Let's not forget <laughs> about that. Let's not forget about Uh-oh. that. Let me shift this conversation, though. We'll go to basketball. What happened with Alabama this weekend? What did they do? How did they look? Tell the people what you saw out of Alabama. And, you know, them sitting at a two-line right now again. Just tell them. You're the, Alabama, impressive. You're the Alabama basketball expert that we bring in. You tell us what we what happened this weekend. With I, well, yeah, Levi, listen, man, they're back from the dead, right? They – Slept walk for three weeks. They were able to uh, actually win the majority of those games that they slept walk through, but it starts with hitting threes. Alabama's defensive efficiency, number two in the country. They were just number one last week. They're an elite defensive team, but when we get down the stretch in this tournament, you're going to have to be elite defensively, and you're going to have to knock down big shots. For about three and a half weeks, Alabama didn't do it. A close game against South Carolina that shouldn't have been close against a team that's won five total games, I believe. But they were back against Georgia. They lit it up, 115 points. John Petty gets the pace going. Shackelford, those guys, if they're hitting shots, Alex Reese able to knock down some shots to stretch out the defense where Alabama can get some things done in the paint. That's the key. They're elite defensively. They can win games with defense. We have seen it. I mean, if this team can come alive on the offensive end when it really matters, they look like a team that that not many other teams in college basketball can beat. I'd say that they could probably beat everybody outside of four teams on any given Saturday, if and if they're playing their best ball, I think they can beat Gonzaga, Michigan, Iowa. It may not be a guarantee, but they're going to be able to compete for 40 minutes against those teams if they're playing elite defensively like they have all year. 
and they're able to knock down shots, Alabama's still just as dangerous as they've ever been. Speaking with Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports, I don't know if I've ever seen a team shoot 60% from three. Uh, even some of those Auburn teams, if they were 18 for 30, that's absurd. Well, what is it with this team about being able to get hot and put up just abnormal? I mean, abnormal is a good word for it, but I want something even more substantial than that. I mean, it is outrageous. Some of the shooting performances that Alabama can put up, 115 points on Georgia this past weekend. Well, I think if you're an opposing team and you're making your way down the stretch here in the SEC tournament and in the NCAA tournament, I think the word that you could use is terrifying and frightening because you can do everything right on defense. You can rotate. You can be ready to rebound. You can set up your half-court trap, full-court trap, whatever you want to be. You can watch film. You can break it down. You can do everything correctly. And then Alabama can come out and shoot 50-plus percent from three, and your entire game plan is wiped away. You're chasing your tail the whole game. You're getting out of your offensive set and tempo because you're trailing which allows Alabama's defense to turn the notch up. You force a team to do things they're not really comfortable doing. I just think that is so scary for teams. And if there's any team, I think there's four or five teams in the country that nobody wants to play. And as bad as Alabama played over the last three and a half weeks before that Georgia game, Alabama is still one of those teams that nobody in college basketball wants to play with with the season being on the line because you can do everything right. You can scheme it so well. And Alabama has four or five guys that can go out there at any time and shoot the lights out. And if they're all doing it at the same time like they did against Georgia, you have, a, you have no shot at winning, 0% chance of winning if Alabama's playing like that. Jeremy, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on with us. But first, I know you do play-by-play for Silicaga boys basketball, amongst other Silicaga athletic stuff. Give me an update of what's going on with that. I'm very, I'm very interested to see what this team's doing because I know they got huge expectations this year. Oh, well, uh, Silicaga girls on the night, uh, on the road tonight at Brutech. We'll have that in Montgomery. But tomorrow night, Silicaga and Pike Road at uh, Douglas Martin Court of Silicaga in the uh, sub-region trying to make it back to the Sweet 16. So Silicaga just won its sixth straight area championship, trying to get back to Montgomery, I think, for the fifth straight season. So, uh, man, this, this is a basketball, the basketball area right here in East Central Alabama, Silicaga, Talladega, um, Coosa Central. A lot of teams have won state championships recently. It's a fun time to uh, be calling high school basketball in the area. I appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good evening. Thanks, guys. That was Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports on the line with us. And I mean, I, I, I'm just I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just and praise that Silicaga basketball team. They can play some ball. There's also a local team around here too that can play some ball. Auburn High School is tearing it up out there as well. And we're going to continue to tear it up on your airwaves. Stay with us here on On the Line and ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. On the Line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Big thank you there to Jeremy Law of Radio Alabama Sports joining us on the line in that last segment. If you miss any segment, any show ever of On the Line, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Also, follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, Analysis, News, and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook. That's FoxSports983.com. There's some information circulating about Gus Malzahn's 
new contract at UCF. We'll get to that in just a moment. But first, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Mondays are no fun, but you can hunker down with The Bachelor and watch the drama unfold on ABC at 7. If drama isn't for you and you want something a little more lighthearted, Ellen's Game of Games is on NBC at 7. A couple of Matt Damon movies are on with The Bourne Ultimatum at 6.30 on AMC and The Martian at 7 on FX. Find out how Thor loses his eye in Thor Ragnarok on TNT at 5.15. Following it at 8, Snowpiercer has a new episode. It's an easygoing college basketball schedule tonight with only two games on national television. Number 9, Virginia is at number 17, Florida State at 6 on ESPN and at 8 on ESPNU. Texas Southern will take on Jackson State. Two NBA games are on NBA TV starting at 6 with the Houston Rockets at the Washington Wizards. At 9, the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Clippers wrap up the basketball schedule. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight friend of the program and also a guest on our show many times nathan king at by nathan king go and find him on twitter follow up follow him on twitter as well uh he's an auburn beat writer for at 24 7 sports always great content from him once again friend of the program he tweeted out gus malzahn receives a five-year 11 and a half million dollar contract as ucf's new head coach uh according to documents provided to auburn undercover via a records request from the school so you look at that and, um, you know, you and I were talking during the break about that contract, about five-year, $11.5 million contract. I think that is a contract that is purely there to protect UCF. Yeah, I don't, I don't think they expect Gus Malzahn to stay there too terribly long. I think they're, you know. I think that's where the five-year comes from, actually. And I yeah. don't know what the buyouts look out for, but, you know, if you leave a job and you've still got time remaining on that contract, you have to pay back the money that you were going to get paid right or, or whatever the other buyout fee might be disclosed in the contract which we don't have that in front of us but that's the point is that you have to uh you have to you, you they're, 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 he's not going to be off the hook if you were to leave right away and so it's not an, an exorbitant amount of money to pay Malzahn 11 and a half over five years because that's like a two mil a year you know that's getting paid like a group of five coach I think it's kind of understood that maybe when I look at that that was my first take was like all right, he's not going to have to pay them a ton when he leaves because it's only an $11.5 million contract. But the five-year stipulation is there because I think UCF knows that he's probably not going to be there for that long and they want to be able to, to cash in some money to be able to go and get their next head coach after he leaves. That's the way I took it. Could be wrong, but that was my first that was my first look at it when I saw the deal. There's also a lot of – you told uh, – you hit the point when we were off air that he really didn't have a leverage. They know that Auburn was paying him a good bit of money. He really didn't have leverage to be like, hey, man, I really need all this money to come here. Like, no, you don't. You're getting plenty of money right now. And Jeremy Law hit that as well. He had that cozy, you know, mansion on Lake Martin that he could just kick his feet back and get paid to just sit there and enjoy the lake life. He really didn't have a lot of leverage to make this deal any more, you know, is a bigger value than it really was. It's just very UCF-friendly. I think they expect him to come in, do a very good job as a coach at their program, and then move on to somewhere else. Is it, That's just what it seems like when you first look at it. Like At first glance, it really just seems that UCF expects him to not be here very long and then just kind of move on. And I think that's the way that we all look at this job here. Like I, I, When we were talking earlier about how this is such a flexible position, 
for Malzahn, it is either he, he's got the ability to have longevity at UCF. I mean, if he's a nine-win coach every year, they're keeping him 100%. They're not going to move on from that. They're going to love the guy. So if he wants to stay there, I mean, he could go on and on and on and on at UCF for as long as he wants. But he could also, as you put it off, off air, he could pop off and he could have a huge he could have a, he could have a huge year this year. He could win 11, 12 games this upcoming year, get into a New Year's Six Bowl game, a Power 5 job opens up, he could be gone as soon as next year to a new Power 5 team. It was so late in the game that he got fired this year that there weren't any attractive Power 5 positions open. You want to go to Arizona? No way. That, 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 Once again, that two killed, coaching tombstones two there. Of them. Kevin Sumlin and Rich Rod, they are buried. Their coaching careers are buried. In the deserts of Arizona. You don't want to go there. You don't. And, and I, then Tennessee's the other major one, and you're not going to Tennessee right now. Not with all the Not if you're sanctions. trying to resurrect your coaching career or at least land on his feet. And Malzahn here has landed on his feet with this position at UCF because it very much so, as soon as he lands on his feet, it could be a spring springboard to catapult him back into a Power 5 job that's a little bit more attractive. I mean, think about some of the coaches that are struggling that could be out either next year or the year after. You know, you've got Justin Fuente at Virginia Tech. He's been underperforming. Mike Leach, we've went over the fact that it just does not seem like a good cultural fit there in, you know, there at State in Starkville. Clay Helton at USC, I mean, if that's, I think that's a really long shot for them to really want to consider Gus Malzahn to come there, but... I mean, even there's a lot of rumors that Coach O is on the hot seat. I still don't think he's anywhere near it, but you know, you could see Gus Malzahn in the Bayou at LSU if you really, you know, want to get kind of wild and wacky with it. Louisville, I think Louisville's a place that could, you know, potentially pop, you know, open up. There's just some fun places that you could look at. I could totally see Gus Malzahn at Louisville. It, it, I don't know why it just looks like I was I, I saw that one and I looked at it. Well, you look at the most recent it just, coaches it that have fits. been there. It's an it's an offensive school first and foremost. They have prided themselves or on offensive minded coaches coming in. Mainly Bobby Petrino is the guy that comes to mind there, and so like it seems like that does fit. Yeah, just I, I can. Visual- I think that's a really tough place to win right now, though. I can visualize football. him. Oh yeah, I. I if I'm being honest, UCF does seem like a little bit of a step above Louisville at this current moment. They play Louisville this year. We'll see. We'll at see. Louisville. We get to see on paper what is the better football school currently. And I honestly, I think it is UCF. I think they're just a little bit ahead of Louisville right now in you know the past two year scope. Obviously, you'd rather have Louisville. They've been to two New Year's Six bowl games and won one of them, and they pushed LSU in the second one. Like I mean, they have when they have played good teams, they have pushed them. I mean, UCF again, national champions. Louisville, when was the last time they won a national championship in football? I mean, how often does a coach get fired from a school and go to a school with a better football program, a historically better football program that UCF has over Auburn? I mean, that just never happens. You can't even joke about that one, though, because there's more natties at Auburn. Yeah, but who did it recently? That doesn't matter. UCF has a, UCF has a national championship. Auburn doesn't. I mean, they... That does not. And you said historically, so... Once again, like I know you're just messing with everybody, but that one's one that doesn't even make sense. Now, when we're comparing them to Louisville, fine. I okay, like I, <laughs> I, I misspoke when I said historically. I meant within the past, you know, ten years. Ten years, UCF has has been better than Auburn in football. Mm, Auburn's won the national championship in the last ten years too, but <laughs> UCF was more impressive. They've Auburn's been to two natties in the past ten years. I know you're messing with everybody. We got hour number two coming up on the other side of this break. We're going to talk some college basketball as well. Auburn, Kentucky, a top 16 team for the NCAA tournament also released as well. We got more coming up on On the Line.
You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Hour number two on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. On the line, the drive with Bill Cameron, analysis, news, and more. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. Packed first hour, and it was heavy Gus Malzahn to UCF. That's the thing that everybody wants to talk about today, and the phone lines are open. Once again, the number to call, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Find Levi and I on Twitter, at Point Gardner, at Levi Fitzwater. Of course, Gus Malzahn headed to UCF. We've talked about, is this a good move? We've talked about his contract in that last segment. We talked about, you know, what, what is the offense going to look like? Is the quarterback going to regress? I mean, there, there's a lot to unpack with this move to UCF, but I think something that we can consensusly – is that a word? Uh, con, yeah, I, you want to add that one to the list? Uh, <laughs> a consensus agreement here, th- this is a good fit. I don't think I've seen one person say that this is a bad fit. No, I, like, I think it's a really good fit. It just seems – I don't – even outside of really putting a way behind it, just when you see Gus Malzahn in the black and gold, the Photoshop of that, he looks like he could be there. And again, this has always been an offensive school. Coach Malzahn's been an offensive head coach. He could really use a little bit of a revamp on his offense. Like Jeremy Law said, it feels like that rehabilitation center that Alabama has for all the analysts that they put on their staff. That feels like, the similar vein that this is going to be for Gus Malzahn going to UCF to kind of revamp his offense, get it back going and just springboard him into another power five job. You know, I'm looking up if consensusly is a word. I don't think it is. Yeah, you can go ahead and and add it to the list. (laughs) I finally got on the word list to join dramatic momentously or or what was that? Momentous. Momentous is a word momentous no no monumentous sorry there you go so, so we, Monument, we add monumentous. To a monumentous consensusly and then uh dramatic i'm here for it and I said, <laughs> we got quite the word list i said and i sent you one over the weekend that i said when i was talking to someone and i was trying to say aesthetically pleasing and it came out a pleasing and i was like i just i've got four thought, on the list i went i looked at i said yeah that's something that i would say on the radio and get added to the list easy you know what we need we need a hot key that's like a bell, like ring the word bell or something like that. And at the end of the year, at the end of 2021, we're going to go back and read this list of words, these made-up words that somehow we came up with just by accident, and it's going it's going to be on there. Just but call me Merriam. Just call me Webster. That's I, what I'm here what for. What I was trying to say was, though, it's a consensus agreement amongst folks that this is a good fit for Malzahn. It's going to be a chance for him to get back to the Power Five. I think that's what his contract is speaking to me. Nathan King reported this on his Twitter, at by Nathan King. He tweeted out, uh, based on documents that Auburn Undercover received, based on his contract, $11.5 million over five years. To me, that tells me when he leaves, 
UCF is going to have security to be able to go and pay their next head coach because it's not five years to lock him down at UCF for five years. I think it's understood amongst most people out there that he's probably going to make a return to the Power Five at some point. You know, if you asked most people out there, is Gus Malzahn going to be at UCF for the remainder of his career, you would probably say no. And then on top of that, if he was planning on staying there for longer, he probably would have asked for more money in the chance that it doesn't work out and he gets let go and then he's he's not going to get the buyout. Now, he's not hurting for money or anything. I'm just saying that this seems like a contract that is more designed to protect UCF's interest than Gus Malzahn's interest because if he leaves at any point before those five years are up, there will be money due to UCF, which is going to help them pay for their next head coach. So I think what UCF sees here, you talk about this, this is as much of a great fit for UCF as it is for Gus Malzahn. UCF's getting a head coach that's going to be able – now, I know folks had problems and gripes with his recruiting at Auburn. This is a different ballgame. He's going to get to recruit Florida just fine. A three-star in Florida is a four-star everywhere else. That's the old adage. He's going to be able to go and pick up some guys that maybe the top-tier schools that venture into recruiting Florida maybe didn't want, that maybe some of the Florida schools didn't want, and he's going to be able to convince them to come to UCF and they're going to fit the way that he wants to play. The expectations are lower. He's going to be able to help this program recruit. Honestly, probably better than what they've recruited over the last two seasons, which, based off of my information here, according to 24-7 Sports Composite Rankings, the last two seasons, last year UCF finished fourth in the American, seventh the year before that in recruiting. But a, a, a four-year total of this and, and evaluating every team in the American and, and calculating it and then averaging where their average position is in the American Athletic Conference, UCF is third in the league in recruiting over the last four years. When you add up and average all of their classes, they finished third at the American Athletic Conference. So he's already got talent on the roster. He's got a back-to-back 3,500-yard passer in Dylan Gabriel. All of those are great things for Malzahn. For UCF, they're getting a coach who's been to a national championship He's won a national championship at Auburn when he was an offensive coordinator. He's got experience on the national level. He's been in the national picture many times. He's got the experience there. He's going to have the know-how to be able to put UCF into the national picture, at least from you know the outside looking in, as much as a group of five school can be. He's, got, he, he's a fine coach. He's a good coach in college football. He wasn't what Auburn needed at the end of it. I mean, it had run its course. It had gotten stale. It was time to move on, but... UCF is still getting a coach that that for the most part is going I mean he, he's a winner I say for the most part because he's not a winner on the national stage but he is a winner in terms of wins and losses he's still a six he's still a 66 percent win percentage coach and he's going to win the games that UCF wants he bridges the gap here from Hoipel to whatever whatever's go, was going to happen to him you know that this is a school that lost its AD and its head football coach to Tennessee I don't know why people would want to do that but this is this is a school that had to replace those two guys. They got their AD, and he just so happened to be the athletic director that was at Arkansas State when Malzahn was there. And so there was already a link between those two. He's going to help them bridge the gap, keep their program at the top of the group of five hierarchy, the group of five power structure, them, Boise State, San Diego State, those are the schools you think about in the group of five hierarchy and power structure. Cincinnati. Yeah, that's right. They, they've Cincinnati's been, they've been well. a good yeah. one over the past few years as well. Right, last two years specifically. Before that, they were going through a little bit of a lean period. But 
right now, yeah, you're right. They're at the top of the American at the moment, and they're bringing back Desmond Ritter at quarterback. They're going to be just as good this upcoming year. I think this is going to be a UCF-Cincinnati kind of year. Memphis is always in the mix. But here's the thing. It's a pretty good conference at least at the top of it i mean yeah. where you have C- okay. cincinnati ucf smu and memphis i mean for a group of five conference you at least have four teams that could on a very good year sneak into that new year six conversation with and those I think four they schools could win six games in the acc the yeah. best team in the the best team in the American most years. I'm not talking about Cincy this past year. Like people are going to point would, out, Cincy, Cincy would have would have absolutely. They would still they, won about nine games probably or eight games I mean, in the I, ACC this past year. I can't year. think of many ACC teams they've lost to outside of you know. I mean, they. I think Clemson's the only one. North Carolina possibly, and other than that, well, it's one thing to evaluate a team based off of a one-off performance against Georgia because they get to put everything yes, they want to to prepare for Georgia, right? These ACC schools would be evaluating Cincinnati week in and week out with film on them, and you don't know how that they, over the course of the year, would go that they would know how to adjust for UCF. So I still say that once they get into the Power Five conference, you know, like the ACC this past year, they, they'd they still drop be, one. They drop one that they shouldn't. They probably they drop the ones right. that they should drop against probably Clemson, North Carolina. They probably drop one that they shouldn't, and maybe even Miami and maybe you know, lose to Miami, you know, something like that, and you end up losing three or four games in right. that situation. So it's a whole different ball game. You can't evaluate teams based off of their one-off performance. But the the whole point that we're getting at here with the American is, you know, it, it's Cincinnati, it's UCF, Memphis is in the mix, Boise State, San Diego State out in the in the Group of Five realm. Those are your those are your programs, and Gus is going to be able to keep them at that stature, at that location in college football, which I think is where UCF wants to be at right now because who are they going to go hire right now now that they had to go and replace Hoypel? That was who, who are they going to go hire? Because it's so late in the game, everybody is already at their, everybody's already at their place. Everybody's about to be in spring ball. Like national, You're about to be in spring day, ball. Signing day already passed. National right. signing day has already happened. So you're telling me that on February the 15th, you had to hire a new head coach and you landed Gus. That is a slam dunk of a hire at the time. Like This that is, may be one of the, if not the best, one of the best head coaching hires of the offseason. And, and it has came at, at the final hour. And that's not re- saying that, you know, Gus Malzahn was the best coach available this offseason. It's just saying that with everything that happened, you are signing a coach. With their circumstances. On the 15th of February, National Signing Day has already to, happened. Also compared to expectations at the location he's going to. Yeah. Like, this guy is going to be able to achieve what UCF wants him to achieve. And that's what it comes down to when you're hiring coaches. Will this guy achieve what you are asking them to achieve in his position? And I'm telling you, Malzahn, if you're asking me to put a confidence rating on it, I am more confident in Gus Malzahn achieving that than most of the other coaches that have been put into new locations this year in college football yeah, during UC- this offseason. I mean, it's, UCF is a good program right now, and he's going in there with lower expectations than he had at Auburn. He's going to still be able to get recruits based off of, I mean, it's Florida. It's Florida. Four, a three-star in Florida is a four-star everywhere else. And we already noted the track record over some of those other coaches at Florida. You know, 7-5 and five against Mullen, 1-0 against Norvell. Granted, they're on different playing fields right now, but... He could pull. He could pull some guys away from them too. You know, maybe not consistently every year and have a lot of that happening, but he could probably steal one of those guys away from those schools if he's there long enough. To be like, hey, I've been to a national championship. Have the other guys been to a national championship? No. Come play for me. I know what to do. 
he can pull those kind of guys away from some of the other ones and get them on the playing field if, you know, like I said, I'm not saying that he's going to do yeah. this with consistent. all, consistently, but, I, you know, a fringe guy who's maybe like, you know what? I wouldn't mind playing in Orlando at the bounce house. At the moment, the only coach, the only hire that I would say that has been better than Malzahn in this coaching carousel that has now abruptly ended, the only other one that I would say is Sark at Texas. That's the only other one. Harpel uh, at Tennessee doesn't do it for me. Um, Harson at Auburn. I, I say I'll take. I like Harson at Auburn a lot, but I mean, that, and that's not me being a homer. I just really enjoy Coach Harson. I like. I that's that's I was taking my at this Auburn from more of an expectation standpoint of who I think oh, yes, it, who no, I'm more I, confident in. I I agree with that. I, I if think, you're asking me who I'm more confident in to so let me amend my statement to yeah. succeed at their position with their expectations yes, that they have. I, I would say the guy that I'm more confident that's going to achieve at his at his location Malzahn's out of UCF in the next three years and not not in the firing kind of way but in the he's back in a power five job kind of way yeah and that's and that's not saying that Auburn was I want to clarify this that we're not trying to say that Auburn was in the wrong for getting rid of him and going with Harson that we think that Harson's a lesser coach than Malzahn definitely not I just think the job's harder at Auburn of course yeah that's we're just trying to say that infinitely harder it's easier to win at UCF than it is to win at Auburn and that is just plain facts I'm that is absolute factual statement also they couldn't have done better than this no this was the grade a plus hire for them at the moment that they're in so that's what I'm saying like purely on the act and this may be a complex thought for like people to to wrap their heads around but like it's just uh, you know purely at that moment where the circumstances that they were in they couldn't have done any better on this iron no like it's a knockout you said it's a slam dunk but i would agree with you harson's the better i i i, I like the harson auburn thing more i'm just saying based on the circumstances i don't know if there's another one bill of illinois doesn't do it for me clark lee at vanderbilt will be fine you don't know some of these other guys where where they're going Turn out in ULM, woo, you know. Like, I don't know. I like that one a lot. I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean, it just doesn't do it for me at a lot of other places, you know. I mean, yeah, Butch just, Jones to Arkansas State is pretty solid for Arkansas State, but I mean, I think he'll be. I think he'll do fine at Arkansas State as well. I think he's another coach who's honestly in line to really succeed very well at his position. And when we say succeed, I'm not saying that Arkansas State's going to go undefeated and be competing in New Year's Six Bowls. I'm just saying with those expectations that they have at Arkansas State, I think Butch Jones will do just fine. I think with the expectations they have at UCF, I think Gus Malzahn is going to do just fine there. I think Coach Harson's going to do fine at Auburn. It's just going to, it's You're a going lot. to have to give him time. It's just a lot harder. He's coming in with a bad recruiting class that he really didn't get to cultivate and recruit. And, you know, there's still this thing sitting on the other side of the state called the University of Alabama. And then on the other border, there's Georgia. Yeah, it's it's hard. It's a it's just such a much it's such South a hard you now there's Gus Malzahn. It's <laughs> <laughs> now you're the one messing with people. Now you're the one over there messing yeah. with everybody. It's just a harder job to win. It, you gotta give him time. It's it's night and day apples to oranges trying to compare these two positions that they're at because the expectations are completely different and it's easier to succeed at one Relative to what they want, it's easier to succeed at UCF in terms of making that fan base happy because the expectations aren't as high as they are on the Plains of Auburn. He's got a 3,500-yard passer coming back. Like the past two years, he's thrown for more than 3,500 yards. Dylan Gabriel's fantastic. He's got an offense coming back, at least the framework of an offense coming back that averaged 42 points a game last year. I don't think Malzahn's there for very long at all, and I think most people would agree with that statement. And that's what I mean. Harson, it's going to take a little bit longer. 
And that doesn't mean that it's any that it's. I I have loved that hire. I think that's a huge hire. I think that's a great. I think it's a great hire. But if we're talking about circumstances of where someone was at, Auburn had their first shot at the coaching carousel. Auburn was the first major job out there. They were before everybody else. All right, and they did well. They they did well. It was a it was a brutal search. You know, it was a toxic search. I felt like in the fan base and what and you know some of the information that was out there. But UCF's just like yeah. Look, we got this. Let's go. Let's bring in this guy. He's going to win. I mean, they, they, I mean, it, it's a it's a great fit. Like I, I mean, uh, there is an equal sign here when you're talking Gus Malzahn equals UCF right now. Like this is this is going to be good for that program moving forward. It's going to keep them in their in their position where they want to be at. We're gonna we're gonna pause from talking about Gus Malzahn for a little while because it has been a Gus Malzahn heavy show. I've said I've said the name Gus Malzahn a whole lot more today than I thought I would. I agree. Anymore I, after after they've you know gone on with a new coaching search this early in the game. It's I, just I mean, what happens. It would have been brought back. It's up, just but. what happens on a Monday when you get the news information. You want to talk about it. Everybody's that's what a lot of people are interested in. But so that's my other point about this. Any other coach that UCF hires today does not get this much attention. Oh, no. Not a chance. And it's not just because we're in the Auburn sphere. This is a national story. Yeah. It's a national story. I'm hoping that— At least on this side of the Mississippi River. But it's a national story. The people out there in the Pac-12 don't care. But over here on this side of the the, country, people The people in the Pac-12 don't even care about trying to win football games half the time. I mean, let's just be honest. (laughs) Well, they didn't care about playing football at the beginning of last year either. They really didn't. Shots fired. We got more of On the Line coming up here on the other side of this break on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. You're listening to On the Line. Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Phone lines are open 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. We were just talking about this just a second ago in terms of Gus Malzahn getting hired at UCF. Matt Scalisi tweeted, this is at Matt Scalisi, UCF just hired the last coach to beat Alabama. Knights are the biggest winners of the 2021 coaching cycle, and it's not particularly close. We were just talking about how I thought that this was a big hire for UCF, and I thought that they had the you know the second best hire of this coaching, uh, coaching cycle. I wouldn't go to this extreme here. And I respect the hot take game. I'm big time on that. I love throwing out their stuff, you know, that I particularly believe in. It's not a bit. I believe in it. You know, but somebody else may be like, yeah, that's a little bit of a stretch, as long as I can defend it. Sarkeesian is the best coaching hire of this cycle, undoubtedly. And that's not particularly close. But I would say that Gus Malzahn to UCF is the second best coaching hire of this cycle. And here's why. You and the main other contender there for this spot is Brian Harson to Auburn. But I think UCF outkicked their coverage in hiring Gus Malzahn. UCF does not hire coaches like Gus Malzahn in their track record. That's not what happens. They hire up and comers. They don't go and hire coaches that have a career, you know, 66% winning percentage has coached in and won an SEC championship, has been to a national championship, has coached and won in a national championship. They don't hire coaches with that type of track record. They don't hire coaches that are 3 and 5 against Nick Saban. That doesn't happen. They outkicked their coverage. They hire coaches like Josh Hoiple, who is formerly an offensive coordinator at a Missouri program, whose coach got fired recently for Eli Drinkwitz. You know, like he he was the OC for Barry Odom 
at Missouri. They hire coaches like that. Nothing against Josh Hoyple, new head coach of Tennessee. Good for him. But my point is they hire up-and-comers. They hire assistants. They hire guys from smaller group of five schools. They, they, UCF just outkicked their coverage, hiring Malzahn, and it just fell in their lap. Did they have to do anything to go out there and get them? No, I mean, th- this connection fell in their lap. It's the AD connection from Arkansas State. But that's what I mean. I'm not saying that Malzahn's a better head coach than Brian Harson. When it's all said and done, Brian Harson may very well get Auburn into a college football playoff, may very well bring a national championship to the Plains. But I'm saying Auburn didn't outkick their coverage when they hired Brian Harson. And, any, and anybody out there that thinks that, I mean, just just look at how people have viewed this hire when, when they got when they brought him in. There's so many people that are like, I just don't know if this guy's going to do it. You know, I mean, who is this guy? I mean, people were, so many people were like, who is this guy when Auburn hired him, you know? It's like he's coming from a group of five. I, I don't think Auburn out outkicked their coverage bringing in Harson. I don't think that that's a I don't think that's a knock on Harson. It's just the truth. I think Harson's going to work out, but you know it, that that that's like the equivalent of me saying you know maybe not the direct equivalent, but like Clemson didn't outkick their coverage when they hired Dabo Sweeney at the time that they hired him. Dabo Sweeney was like receivers coach at Clemson. He wasn't doing anything. He just happened to turn into. Dabo Sweeney right the same thing can be said about Brian Harson. he could turn out to be the next Pat Dye at Auburn he can end up being a big deal at Auburn but I'm just saying that Auburn didn't outkick their coverage when they hired him it was it was a you know when you th- when you break it down you're like yeah this is the kind of hire that Auburn traditionally makes it is I mean that's just it it's just facts that Auburn didn't they didn't outkick their coverage they didn't punch above their weight class that's just it's just how it was. I mean, I still think it's a fantastic hire. I think Brian Harson is going to be a very good coach at Auburn, but it's not the flashy. It's not the, oh, we got Urban Meyer to come to Auburn. We got Bob Stoops to come to Auburn. It's just not that. And that's what this feels like for that's UCF. That's what this is for UCF. UCF yes. is like, this is the equivalent of an Auburn getting a Bob Stoops. This is UCF getting that, yeah. their version of that. Just because of it's much worse, just, but it is their version of that. Yeah, I mean, just because that's what UCF is in terms of a football program, they're just not. It's just not Auburn. I mean, it's a Group of Five school. They they just really got went out and got a guy that you just don't expect to get. No, you don't. And they it just fell in their lap, and good for them because they are going to be in the national picture. And you know. So, you know, they really haven't left. I mean, they went 6-4 and four this year, but every year before that, for the past three seasons before that, I mean, look, look these guys are 41-8 and eight over their last four seasons, 27-5 and five in the American Athletic Conference over the, that same four-year stretch. They lost four of those games in the American this year, or three of them, I think, this year. It's like they, they are very much so still a major part of the American Athletic Conference. Now the thing is for Malzahn to take them back to, to a New Year's Six Bowl game. They've had two New Year's Six Bowl games in the last four years, and no Auburn fan needs, them, needs, needs to remember you know, what happened in 2018 as they beat them in the Peach Bowl. So, I, I mean, this is huge. Can't beat them, join them. That's what Malzahn's done here. I'm joking. But still, like that, that's, it's, it's a good fit. Let's move on from it. Let's go to college basketball now. Let's abandon the Gus Malzahn talk probably for the rest of the day. And if you missed any of it, every single segment of today's show has been about Ghost Malzahn. In a different light, though. It, it's not the same thing over yep. and over again. It has been something different every segment because there tr- there's truly something to unpack 
Yeah, there's so much to unpack in, in every facet about this Gus Malzahn hire to UCF. And if you missed any of the conversation, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Phone lines are open, though, if you still want to talk about it. Come bring it to us, 334-321-1390 or toll-free at 888-382-7502. Let's get into college basketball here because the selection committee released their top 16 teams in terms of rankings for the NCAA tournament this past Saturday. I had some major disagreements with it, and they were – that that they were validated with the results on Saturday. Which ones? Which ones were you disagreed with? Well, Missouri should not be in the top sixteen. Of course, we we've become a big Missouri basketball hating program over the past few things, and it's not that we are hating the program; it's just that we think they're a tad bit overrated as what they are. I think they're viewed as a lot better than what we think they are, and that's not a knock of us. Just we want to keep ha- we don't want to keep hammering Missouri. It's just the fact that nationally they keep getting love that we don't think they deserve and you know what happens arkansas best friend of the program right now went out and proved us right for (laughs) for saying that we didn't think missouri was that good and then arkansas comes out and beats them on the road need i mind you they went into missouri's place and beat them and they just you know validated a lot of what we were saying that we think this is a little bit of an overrated missouri team let's look at those rankings here the one seeds gonzaga baylor ohio state and michigan fine with it they got that right two seeds alabama illinois villanova and houston obviously this came out before villanova lost to creighton so i mean maybe there's a little bit of a difference in that i still think villanova could sit at that two two line villanova's a two they dropped all the way to 10 in the ap poll which i think is just staggering not here for it they're a two seed i believe that i disagree with the rankings of the two seeds which matters this year because they're using the s curve yep which is basically a snake draft. You play fantasy football, you know what you know what that is. The, the one seed will be matched up with the worst two seed, the best three seed, and then the worst four seed. So it goes back and forth like that. And uh, I like I, I'm I'm fine with the two line. It's just the order in which of them. Now here's where things get bad for me. I do, I disagree completely right now with, with what's going on at three and with the three and four uh, seeds. There's one there's one at three that is glaring to me that is bad. Three seeds, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia. I am struggling the most there with Tennessee and West Virginia. And we'll get to that on the other side of this break. But real quick, before we go to break, the four seeds, Iowa, Texas, Texas Tech, and Missouri. And I'm struggling with several of those too. So we'll be back on the other side of this break. We'll break down that top 16. We'll also give you our own rankings as well. Stay with us on the line. Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back. Noah Gardner, Levi Fitzwater here with you on On the Line. Still sorting through some of these rankings that the NCAA put out, the top 16 seeds. It's a preview of it, and I love that they do this. This adds to it for me and the experience of the NCAA tournament. Phone lines are open, 334-321. 1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502 find levi and i on twitter at point gardner at levi fitzwater we got those 16 seeds there and i went through them briefly in that last segment i'll run back through through them here for you the one seeds gonzaga baylor michigan ohio state i'm fine with those i doubt those are my top four seeds as well in this specific order as well that they put them out the two seeds alabama houston villanova illinois those are my two seeds but i've got them in a different ranking threes are virginia iowa oklahoma west virginia i had some 
differences there with what they have, but I also have had the benefit of seeing the Saturday results. They did not. All of their stuff was before what happened on Saturday. And then my fours are Creighton, Tennessee, Texas, and Texas Tech. So I will say this before we get into my rankings here, because it's going to take probably about two segments to get through this. I am all of the, this is a revised top 16 for me after Saturday's results. But I did have problems with these already, though, when I saw Saturday's. Like looking before, at, I saw I had problems with before I saw Saturday's results. Like I have problems with looking that before what happened Saturday, looking at what the tournament did, and me and you agree with a lot of them. Missouri definitely one of them. Tennessee definitely a little too high. I mean, we agreed that even before what we saw on Saturday, some of these were wrong. Right, and so I've actually I accidentally just being transparent. I just re- I read my seedings before I read theirs. And so let me go back through those rankings for you. Egg on my face. The ones and twos are the same. Once again, ones are Gonzaga, Baylor, Ohio State, and Michigan. The twos are Alabama, Illinois, Villanova, and Houston. The threes, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia. Got some problems with those. The fours, Iowa, Texas, Texas Tech, and Missouri. Those I have problems with as well. And so now we'll get into the rankings that I've put together for you. um, and, And we'll get through that. Once again, I'm cool with the ones. Gonzaga is the top seed for me. They have played, you know, the, the conversation nationally is Gonzaga or Baylor. Gon, Baylor has lagged behind Gonzaga all season long in the rankings, rightfully so. Both teams have signature wins out of conference play. Baylor has more conference play signature wins. It's hard to evaluate Gonzaga after they've gone through the WCC, but one thing's for sure, for sure is they've stayed at the top. They haven't shown any weakness. I'm going to keep them as the top overall seed. They're pro- Both of these teams are probably going to finish undefeated. It's more likely that Gonzaga finishes undefeated after the regular season is over, but those are my top two seeds. I And before I even get into anything else about that conversation with Gonzaga and Baylor, they will play in the national championship. The college basketball is down. The two line, even the, even the one line, I, I don't think Michigan and Ohio State are as good as your typical one seeds. Michigan maybe, but Ohio State isn't. The, all these teams at the top, they didn't get better. Like, Alabama is not your average two seed. I think Alabama is typically, like, the way that this team looks, they're like a three or a four seed, probably more of a four seed talent. And when they're playing their best basketball, fine. They're a two or a one seed, fine, when they're playing their best basketball. But, I mean, your average Alabama team this year is a three or a four seed every other year. But the reason why they're up there on that two line is because you're missing the North Carolinas, the Kentuckys, the Dukes, and the Kansases from this conversation. Four teams right there are missing from this conversation. That's why this top 16 right now is so for me. Like I'm not it doesn't do a whole lot for me to see Missouri in their top 16 because Missouri's not typically a top 16 team in college basketball. Like this Missouri team this year, the talent that they and the product they've put on the floor is not a top 16 team any other year in college basketball. And they've got them at 16 on their rankings you know so I'm not here for that my other one seeds though Michigan's the third one that I've got ranked and fourth I've got Ohio State and the Big Ten's the best conference in basketball this year second best conference is the Big 12 those teams have beaten great teams on a consistent basis they have so many quad one wins they have so many ranked victories those teams have proven to be you know them in Illinois have proven to be some of the best teams that the country has to offer and I've got Illinois as my fifth best team in the country right there on the fringe of a one seed for me. Super impressed with them. They had a little bit of a had a little bit of a stretch of a couple of losses here and there in the heart of Big Ten play. But when you look at it and you're comparing all of these resumes and the net rankings and whatnot, you know, Ohio State's sitting there at seventh, Illinois at fourth. 
14 and 5 Illinois team, 17 and 4 Ohio State team. If it wasn't for maybe a little bit of a difference there in records, you look at Q1 wins, Ohio State's 8 and 3 against Q1 teams, Illinois 6 and 4. That's what does it for that's what does it for me. Illinois got more Q1 wins than Ohio State does. Ohio State's the one seed they edge there because of the resume. But Illinois is right there. They're one of the best teams in the country. They are that top two seed for me and it's hard to fault them for having five losses i mean oh you have one more loss i mean look at who they're playing in the conference you said it best i mean the big 10 conference is the best conference in basketball this year hard to fault them for losing it's how we perceive sec football comparative to the rest of the country most of the time where you're sitting there going yeah this team has two losses in football conference but you know are they're still better than an undefeated pac-12 team at the moment and that's how it feels with this big 10 basketball schedule you look at some of these teams and I mean they are just so loaded I was sitting there at 11th and I was a fantastic team when they want to be I mean they had arguably the best player in college basketball on their You're team talking as about well. 11th in the AP poll just yeah, for that's pool. yes 11th yep. in the AP poll just looking at you know overall rankings for that I mean Kim Bomb has them at number four in his ranking or in his ratings that's just absurd so my other two seeds are Alabama Houston and Villanova and I've ranked Villanova the highest of all of those mainly because this Villanova team has been in the conversation for a one seed all year long. Now, their resume, as far as net rankings is concerned, not as good as Alabama's. Alabama's at 6-3 and three in Q1. Villanova's at 2-3 uh, and three right now in Q1. They've slipped up a little bit over the past couple of weeks. 13-3 and three overall, that's a good-looking record. It's sexy, but blowout loss to Creighton over the weekend. They lost by 16, and then they lost to St. John's couple weeks ago Alabama though has been shaky too but this is an eye test thing for me when I put Villanova on paper and I'm comparing them to Houston and Alabama I think Villanova is the best basketball team on that floor and it's also a I think they play in a tougher conference than both of those teams as well I mean at the moment yes I agree with that as well but the Big East is more top heavy than the SEC I think they've got more great teams at the top but below it I, I would say they're they're probably worse and that's a good way to put it you also give Villanova the benefit of the doubt because of what they've done. I mean, they've won two national championships in the past, what, five, six years right. uh, with Jay Wright and that Villanova brand has proven. A lot of these times when you see these guys that we don't perceive the Big East as this as what it used to be in basketball because it is, you know, a lot of it broke off into what is now the American Athletic and some of them are in the ACC at this point. But this team has proven that when it gets to the tournament, it can win. It's a lot different than it's it's you don't you don't see this team go in there and you go, Oh, they they can't hang with some of the big boys. No, they they beat the big boys. They beat some of the big boys. They beat North Carolina. They beat a good Michigan team. So I just think based off a of track record and what we've seen this year from them, I think Villanova is the best out of those two seeds. I don't I'm not holding that Creighton loss against them. Now, they come out this next week and they drop another They'll one drop. like that, then you have to drop them. I just, I don't hold that loss against them too heavily right now, and that's a big testament to Creighton because I think Creighton's a great team as well. They've also dealt with COVID issues, Villanova has. Of course. And yeah. all, a lot of this has been since their reset. If you're just now joining us on the show, we're going through the top 16 seeds in college basketball, and I'm giving you my rankings rather than what a, a kind of comparison to what they put out yep. on Saturday nationally. Then in the conversation between Alabama and Houston, this is very much so an eye test. Alabama's resume right now, of course, Houston 16-2, Alabama sitting at 17-5. Alabama has won more games against major programs than Houston has, but Houston hasn't had the opportunity to play those teams. And when I look at Alabama outside of conference play, I'm like, y'all don't beat anybody, right? And so when I, when I, when I evaluate this game for Houston 
And we almost got the chance to see this game played. I, I think these two were scheduled against each other, and then it ended up getting canceled, and Alabama ended up playing Western Kentucky instead. Can you go and check check that for me? That's what I'm about to check And then they it. lost to say, Western how, Kentucky. How did that work out for them? And then they lost to Western them. Kentucky. So you talk about this Houston team. They're 16-2. to and Ken Palm rankings, Ken Palm rankings love this team. They play a very good brand of defensive basketball. They're kind of like Virginia right now of the AAC. That 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 is what Houston looks like. They are the Virginia of the AAC. Their Man. offense, when it takes a night off, they're beatable. But their defense is going to keep them in pretty much every game. I like this Houston team a little bit more than Alabama right now, solely based off of eye test. But that's because we've been exposed to some up and down basketball from Alabama recently. If this Alabama team shoots the ball like they shot this past weekend against Georgia on a more consistent basis moving forward and they finish this year strong there's no reason why they can't climb up past Houston and Villanova I don't know I I think a one seed may be a little little far gone for this Alabama team they might have to win out but I think they could still get to that one line if they do win out it's just they're gonna have a hard time passing in Illinois or Ohio State or Michigan but the fortunate thing for Alabama is those teams could beat up on each other and they're going to give the benefit of the doubt to a team that goes out there and has an, has a really, really sexy-looking record. We've seen that already. They're going to give the benefit of the doubt to a team that's you know, only lost five games at the end of the year compared to a team that maybe has lost seven, even though the team that lost seven had a better resume. They're going to give that benefit of the doubt if Alabama goes through conference play, wins out, and then wins the conference title. They're going to be like, wow, this, this team's on you know, a 10-plus game winning streak. They look really good. They might get to that one line. So Alabama still has a lot of room to grow. Whereas Houston, Villanova, those two might be, you know, Villanova's probably got some room to grow about to get on that one line because of the pedigree. I think Houston's probably going to end up staying pretty solid. Yeah, I don't think as a Houston, two seed. I don't think Houston could leapfrog just based off of the name and who they're going to be playing. I like I, you can give the benefit of the doubt to Villanova if they're friend, but you don't do that to Houston. You saw it uh, again. I'd hate to throw another football comparison, but you see it a few, you know, the first college football playoff. TCU was almost guaranteed. They thought TCU was getting in there. All of a sudden, Ohio State sneaks in because, well, name. Ohio State proved to be the best team that year as well. But if that was Texas in that position, Texas would have made it over TCU because that's just brand name alone. And you were 100% correct. Houston and Alabama were supposed to play December 19th. They ended up playing Western Kentucky instead and lost that game. Yep. And Alabama's non-conference resume hurts them a lot with me right now. Conference play, they've looked great sometimes, and other times they haven't. And most recently, it's been the times where they haven't, you know. But then again, Saturday, they were phenomenal. They shot 60% from three. Is that sustainable, though? That's that's another question about this Alabama team. And I'm, and I'm more down on the SEC than most, than most people are. I, I don't think the SEC is a very good basketball conference this year. But we're going through the top 16 seeds for college basketball. We'll keep wrapping that up here on On the Line. We'll see you on the other side of this break. On the line on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM and ESPN 106.7. You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater wrapping up the show today here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Following the show, we got The Drive with Bill Cameron here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Stick around for... Bill Cameron and Dan Peck, they'll be taking your calls and talking all the latest going on at sports, Auburn football, Auburn basketball. They'll have it all for you, taking your calls once again. So stick around for the drive with Bill Cameron. Before we wrap up the show here, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. 
Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Mondays are no fun, but you can hunker down with The Bachelor and watch the drama unfold on ABC at 7. If drama isn't for you and you want something a little more lighthearted, Ellen's Game of Games is on NBC at 7. A couple of Matt Damon movies are on with The Bourne Ultimatum at 6.30 on AMC and The Martian at 7 on FX. Find out how Thor loses his eye and Thor Ragnarok on TNT at 5.15. Following it at 8, Snowpiercer has a new episode. It's an easygoing college basketball schedule tonight with only two games on national television. Number 9, Virginia is at number 17, Florida State at 6 on ESPN and at 8 on ESPNU. Texas Southern will take on Jackson State. Two NBA games are on NBA TV starting at 6 with the Houston Rockets at the Washington Wizards. At 9, the Miami Heat and the Los Angeles Clippers wrap up the basketball schedule. I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight packed show today if you missed any part of today's show make sure you go back and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast a big thank you out there to jeremy law radio alabama sports for joining us today we've talked a lot about the gus malzahn ucf stuff and now we're on to our basketball topic for today ranking our top 16 teams in comparison with the top 16 teams that were released on saturday the big difference here is we've had saturday's results since then so it changes ours a little bit it's a revised 16 since we got what happened on saturday and already had a problem with saturday's before i saw saturday's results so we are going through that uh we've done our one and two seeds already I, i'm fine with what the committee put out with the one seeds i've got the exact same ones gonzaga one baylor's the second one seed michigan the third one seed and ohio state's the fourth one seed so those are all of our one seeds there the two seeds i have the same two seeds just ranked in a different order i've got illinois as the top two seed here as so do they um i've got villanova as the sixth two seed or as the second two seed which is what they also have the seventh best team of this top 16 teams um i've got is houston though they're also two seed i've got them flipped with alabama and and they they had it the other way around but those are our two seats so pretty similar there then you get to the three and the four line and this is where they lost me completely on saturday i'm just like what did you guys do and what are you thinking and it stems from i think they evaluate the sec to be a better basketball conference than we do but we only have about five minutes left in the show so we got to run through these pretty quickly and rapid fire right so the three seeds that the ncaa selection committee put out was oklahoma tennessee virginia and west virginia i only have two of those teams well, I, I do have three of these teams, but I rank them in a different order. So my top three seed is Virginia. I like this Cavalier team. The ACC is bad. I don't give any love to the ACC outside of Virginia here. They're the only ACC team that I have in my top 16, which is crazy to think that the ACC doesn't have more than that. The down year. This this Virginia team, from a net ranking standpoint, they're at sixth. They're 15-3 and three overall, and they are 3-2 and two in Q1 wins. Valuable resume to me. That record sitting at 15-3 and three overall. They're a far cry from the team that's been upset a few times. This team is much improved, and they're handling teams well, playing their specific brand of basketball. The biggest concern for them, though, is if they play a team that can play offense. You know, with Alabama and Gonzaga ahead of them in their region, according to me right now, they might struggle to get out of there, right? That's how it usually happens with them. I mean, they struggle with the teams that play a lot of offense. And same with Villanova as uh, Virginia. They have that pedigree, the championship pedigree, that you trust them. You trust them to be a three-seed better than some of these other teams. The second three seed that I have here, Iowa, and this is much higher than what the committee had them evaluated at. They had them as a four seed and the 13th best team here. Look, Iowa's record, 15-6. and six. They've lost more games than a lot of the teams here in this in this area. They, Records-wise, that would look like a four seed. But this Iowa team still has a potential player of the year candidate on there with Garza. They've also got a four and five Q1 record. They play in the Big Ten. They are a very good basketball team. 
they've they've gotten some they've been they could have been hitting the panic button recently because they did suffer a string of losses in the middle of big 10 play but that's because it's the big 10 this is still a better team in my opinion than some of the other teams that i'm about to list i get into the big 12 here now with oklahoma at the uh as the 11th best team in the country the third three seed here and then the basically it came down to when i was scrubbing it i said oklahoma or west virginia here and i've got both of them on my line as well west virginia is a three seed um also and so both of those were listed by the committee as three seeds the committee has west virginia two spots ahead of oklahoma i have oklahoma one spot ahead of west virginia why because they've beaten west virginia twice they've they've gone out they rattled off they proved they're a better team than them you look at oklahoma recently they just beat they just beat west virginia on saturday all right by one in overtime they beat three top 10 teams before that and then they lost to texas tech in between that and could it be texas Tech? not like they got blown out that was a close game oklahoma I think I'm right here. Either five of their last six or all or their last five games have been against ranked teams, and they have won five of or four of those games, four of their last five games or something That's like that. Good basketball team. It's a really good basketball team that has and they played did a lot it without of their teams. leading score. Like it's crazy. Don't like this Oklahoma team should be squarely on the three line, and I and I got them higher in West Virginia. West Virginia on the three line as well. I I like that team. They play good basketball. The Big 12 second best basketball team in the in the country. Um, they they've got solid Q1 record. I know it's at five and six, but they got five Q1 wins. That's more than a lot of teams can boast right now that are on that three line. I like this West Virginia team. Now we get to the four seeds here, and we only got two minutes to do it. So let's get to it. The four line that the NCAA put out was Iowa. Already broke that down. I disagree with that. They got Texas there. They got Texas Tech, and they've got Missouri. Forget about Missouri. Get them out of here. Okay. Let's go through this last line here for you. I've got Texas Tech as the best four seed. They beaten Texas this year, so I got them ahead of Texas. I think they play in a better basketball conference, and, and Texas Tech would not lose by 18 to LSU. So I've got them ahead of Tennessee. And then Creighton isn't even considered amongst their rankings. And Creighton's you know, um, you know, know, in the teens right now in the rankings. This Texas Tech team, once again, playing in the Big 12. They got a 4-5 and five Q1, uh, Q1 win record. This is a tough team. I like this Texas Tech squad. 14, I've got Texas. Came down to ranking them against Tennessee. I mainly evaluate Texas higher than Tennessee because I like the Big Twelve Conference a little bit better than, yep. than the SEC right now. It's a tougher conference. I'm going to give te- I'm going to give Texas a pass for some of their close losses in the Big Twelve more than I'm going to give Tennessee a pass for an 18 point loss to LSU and a two point loss, a 52 to 50 loss to Ole Miss. Yep. Right? I mean, Tennessee has been so up and down. I've got Tennessee though as the third best fourth seed. They're at 15th in my rankings out of 16. I still think this Tennessee team is a good basketball team, and I think they're well-deserving of being in the top 16. When you look at their net rankings, they're 12th in the country. They've got a 4-4 Q1 run record. They're 14-5. I've got them ahead of Creighton, who is my last team to crack into the top 16, mainly because they just beat Villanova. You look at them in the net rankings as well. They've got some solid Q1 wins. They're 4-1 with that record. They have a solid Q1 record, 16-5 overall. This team has been a little up and down in Big East play because they had a really solid non-conference slate, and then they started dropping some games when, once they got into conference play. But they're, they're probably the second-best team. They are the second-best team in the Big East, and they just beat the best team by 16 points. Some people may be saying, oh, well, how are they not the best team then? Well, that's, that's just college basketball. Sometimes you got somebody's number. but sometimes you, just get, sometimes you have a game. Sometimes you just have a game and get lucky. Get Missouri out of the top 16. Oh, good Lord. Get, get yes. them out. Yes. Get them out. They're frauds. That does it for another edition of On the Line. We got the drive with Bill Cameron following us on the other side of this break. Stay here on ESPN 1067 on Fox Sports Central Alabama. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. You know where to find us.